Hello. Hello. And welcome. Oh dear, is it that time again? Already? I'm Bartleby Nehi. And I'm not ready yet. I need to get my notes. You don't need notes for this. Of course I do. Just introduce yourself. Um, I'm Artemis Nehi. And we're the Kinetic Paranormal Society. Ow, why are you nudging me? Oh, yes, a pair of socks and a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space, investigating the supernatural. And you're listening to Metacosmos. I wish you would warn me when we're going to be doing this. What do you mean, warn you? We're doing it on a regular basis. We're certainly not recording on a regular basis. Oh, regular enough. It happens sometime during the week. Number one, that's not regularity. Number two, I think this is happening more than once a week. Oh, that's just a time anomaly. You're a time anomaly. Thanks. All right, I have my notes. Let's do our podcast about a Star Trek. Whoa, hold your horses. We haven't even marinated yet. Okay, fine. What do you want to marinate about today, Bartleby? Oh, actually, I have some really good news. Oh, really? What's that? You know our other podcast? Yes, the Kinetic Paranormal Society podcast. I heavily discourage anyone from listening. I, I can't bear to hear my past self just blunder their way through it. I love listening to our past selves blunder our way through it. And this show adds a live orchestra. How could you not love that? Oh, just a typical amount of regret and shame, that's all. And we're going to help you get past that. But I have some really good news. You know that one one-star review we had? Oh, yes. Did, did it go away? No, no, no. But now we have more two-star reviews than one-star reviews. Really? Yeah, like twice as many. Oh, well... Good for us? But that certainly indicates people are listening. It does. Does this show have any reviews? Um, there, there's one from five years ago. And it's positive? Oh yeah, it's, it's five stars, baby. And it's just one from five years ago? Yeah, just one. So, as far as we know, no one's listening? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that certainly takes the edge off, doesn't it? Well then, let's move forward and do our podcast. Indeed, indeed. What do you want to podcast about today, Artemis? Well, I'm sure you know. Here, let me do the introduction. Hello. Welcome to Metacosmos. I'm Artemis Nehi, and this is a podcast about a Star Trek. And with me today is my brother, Bartleby. Bartleby, say hello. Hello. And today we begin a new voyage, going where once no man had gone before. So that means they hadn't brought their socks yet. Precisely. We are going to take a journey through all of Star Trek. Well, not all of Star Trek. Where are we cutting it off? So I figured we're just going to watch them from, from the original series all the way through Enterprise. Will we be doing these weekly? No, they'll just be like a sporadic segment. How many episodes in all is that? Uh, 725. That we're going to sporadically review? Yeah. It's going to take quite a lot of podcasting to get through it. Well, you're the one that didn't want to start a third podcast. I don't want to start one or two podcasts. So it's something we're doing sporadically. Fair enough. Oh, right. Well, I took lots of notes. I wasn't sure where we were starting, so I took notes on both the man trap from the original series and Encounter at Farpoint from The Next Generation. Wow, look at you, all organized with notes. You didn't bring notes? No, no, no. Remember, I was creating a game. Yes, I created a game too. But as you already said, you plan to not use my game. Well, tell us about the game you made that we're not going to use. Well, before you're so quick to dismiss it, let me tell you, it's quite a fun game. In my game, we watch every episode of Star Trek, 
and every time one of the crewmen somehow dies, we note the color of their shirt and take a tally. What's the fun in this game? Well, they often say that the red shirts are the ones who who die often. But what if it's not? Maybe we can discover the truth of what color shirt is dying the most in Star Trek. Huh. Yeah, so it's a good thing I made a game. Okay, so here's my game. Here's what we're going to do. I made a spreadsheet. Ooh, look at this. It's all the episodes in order. Oh, goodness. It has 725 episodes indeed. And look here, I've got column A and column B. All right. And these are two different orders. Oh, what? what's the difference? They look the same to me. Okay, so like column A is the order they aired in. Okay, yes, that makes sense. And column B is that same order, except the shows have been split up. What does that mean? I don't know if you remember, but Deep Space Nine and Voyager overlap. So, so they're kind of, in that one, they're kind of intermingled. Oh. Yeah, so in column B, I've broken them up so the shows are in order. So the question I have for you is, do you want to do column A or column B? Um, so column A is the one where we watch them in the order they were aired and they're all mixed up in the middle? Yeah. Then I want to do column B. Okay, column B it is, and deleting column A. It's gone. Okay, okay, and now the next part of our game. Okay. I made a random number generator. Oh, and what's that going to determine? Okay, so I've, I've set it to go between 1 and 725. Oh, and we're going we're gonna to randomly generate a number, and then we're going to review that episode. But what about my notes? I have the episode, I've, I've got two episodes here, I'm prepared for this. Well, I've got good news for you. Encounter at Farpoint's a two-part episode, so out of like 725, we've got like, out of three of those might land on an episode you have notes for. Oh no, can we please go to the dimension where we use my game and not your game? Oh, <laughs> that dimension's so boring, no. Nobody wants to do that. Oh, please don't do this. I have notes. We're going to have a great time. You love Star Trek. Not all of it. What do you mean, not all of it? It's a rather rough cut sculpture. It could, it could be refined. Well, that's what the movies do, right? Oh, no. Far from it. No, no, no. I don't need... I don't really pay attention to the movies. What's wrong with the movies? You know how I feel about too much spectacle. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Okay. Explosions and shooting at one another. It's fine. Okay, well, don't worry. We're only we're only doing the show. Okay, you don't have a problem with that, right? I hope not. I just don't want to do this in random order. It really doesn't matter. We're gonna have a great time. Do you want to hit the button? Go ahead. Go ahead. Hit the button. You're really pressing mine. I try. Okay, here we are. Three sixty-seven. That's just in the middle of it all. In the middle, indeed. Let's see. What did we get? Deep Space Nine. Oh no, we're starting on Deep Space Nine? You got a problem with Deep Space Nine? Yes, I very much have a problem with Deep Space Nine. It's like one of the most popular Star Treks. I'm not saying it's all bad, but it's it's my least favorite Star Trek. Oh, come on, why, why is that your least favorite Star Trek? It seems to have some sort of chip on its shoulder, some sort of grudge against everyone having a nice future. What's so bad about the future in Deep Space Nine? They're all friends, and they laugh together, and there's melodrama that they learn from. All good stuff. I don't really care for Star Trek with melodrama. But isn't, like, melodrama at, like, the heart of, like, television and, like, storytelling? Like, giving people something to care about. Honestly, I don't even think melodrama is the right word. 
It doesn't matter what word. I'm talking about the conflict between the crewmates, people getting at one another. The entire idea of Star Trek is supposed to be a humanity that's gotten beyond those little foibles. Oh, come on. You, everyone's always going to have foibles. We're, we all start off as kids, and then we got to like work through our mistakes, and we get better, and then we die right before we're good at it. Yes, but overall, people as a collective seem to also improve collectively, and Star Trek is the idea that at some point we get very good and collectively, you know, adept. Man, it's, it's a really nice idea. It is a nice idea, and I don't like how it's addressed in Deep Space Nine. Could we not do this particular Star Trek series? Um, I, I already put it in the spreadsheet. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, edit the spreadsheet anymore. I just deleted a whole column. Oh, could you put that column back? Maybe in that column we could be not reviewing Deep Space Nine. No, there's a whole other dimension where we use that column. You gotta commit to the dimension you're in, Artemis. But I don't want to be in this dimension. I had a game about shirt colors, and we were going to talk about Man Trap, where Kirk and Bones go down to the surface, and, and, and Bones sees an ex-girlfriend of his, and she's still as young as ever, and they're all confused. It was going to be a great science fiction conversation. That's okay. That's all right. We're going to have a great conversation. We're just not going to be on a starship. We're going to do the whole thing from a space station. Fine. What episode of Deep Space Nine are we watching? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Number 367 is Season 4, Episode 16, Bar Association. Is it about space lawyers? No, it's a different bar association. It's a pun. It's an association at the bar. Oh, that's funny. See, it's not so bad. Here, I'll read the description. After he nearly dies because his contract kept him from seeking medical help, Rom organizes the Guild of Restaurant and Casino Employees, a union for Quark's downtrodden staff, and they go on strike when their demands for fair treatment are rejected. Oh no. Not that episode. Yeah, that's a great episode. It's really funny because it's like a Ferengi-centered episode, and, and labor rights are great, and they're cool, and why would you be against that? Oh, don't get me started on the Ferengi. No, please, please, please. Get started on the Ferengi. I don't even know where to begin. Well, why don't, why don't you tell listeners who the Ferengi are? Well, fine. How do I put this? I think everyone knows that on Star Trek, each alien species represents some aspect of humanity. Can you give us an example? Oh, well, for instance, the Klingon are like testosterone incarnate, and the Vulcans represent logic. Yeah? What do socks represent? Oh, stop it. Okay, what about the Ferengi? Well, the Ferengi are the worst 2D caricature of all. They're a 2D caricature of capitalism. What's to be offended about that? I don't even believe in capitalism. A lot of people don't. No, I mean, I don't think it's a thing. Of course it's a thing. Everyone blames it for the destruction of the world. Well, then that's just a convenient scapegoat. And making cartoon caricatures of Ferengi and justifying their greed, it's the least Star Trek thing ever. But no, like, it was like, they were trying to be like, look, the world's really hard out here in the backwoods of the galaxy. Galaxies don't have backwoods. But they were, like, really far from Earth. Yes, they were in deep space and there was no one near them, but Bajor was near them. Replicators exist, but no, suddenly replicators on short demand. Oh, and there's gold-plated platinum and the gold is worthless and blah blah blah, it's all just offensive. How is it offensive? Every aspect of it is just trying to fly in the face of what came before it. I never realized you didn't like Deep Space Nine as much when we watched it. I complained the entire time. Well, you always complain when we watch Star Trek. No, no, there's a difference. I'm, 
I'm critically thinking and analyzing. Watching Star Trek just wouldn't be the same without that. Yeah, I can back that. But what's wrong with, like, the Ferengi? Shouldn't we have, like, a way to critique capitalism? I told you, I don't believe in that capitalism. It's not a real thing. Of course it is. It's how the economy works. No, it's not, and stop repeating that propaganda. It's a complete distortion and misinterpretation of Adam Smith's writings. Adam who? Adam Smith, the father of modern economics. He wrote The Wealth of Nations. Oh, yeah, I remember. You talk about this. You love that guy. Why do you love that guy? Isn't he the guy that said that greed is good? No, that was Michael Douglas in a movie. But didn't he get it from your guy Adam Smith? Isn't he the one that came up with that? Oh, yes. Okay, fine. Yes. Adam Smith said that people seeking out their self-interest was a necessary part of a healthy economy. Yeah, there you go. But that was just a few sentences. He barely spoke about the invisible hand of the market. Then what did he write about? Oh, besides the basic fundamental mechanics of economics and scarcity and how we respond to it, he spent quite a deal of time emphasizing the need for moral sentiment. He saw morality as a form of self-regulation. Oh, but hold on. He was like super like free trade, free trade, and look how that's going. Well, he did publish the book in the year 1776 quite on purpose. He very much believed that limited regulation on trade was key to having a healthy society and was purposely trying to influence the British government to, to you know, not be so ham-fisted in their colonies. What did he think was going to happen without government regulation? Oh, he thought that moral sentiments would solve all of that. He saw morality as a form of self-regulation. He believed by employing sympathy and empathy, we would have a better sense of how to limit ourselves and the government wouldn't have to. Oh, that, that does sound rather idealistic. Pretty curious how that's accomplished. Well, he also suggested a system of transparency and accountability. Uh, one without the other doesn't really get anything done. Maybe the government's main job might be just to regulate transparency. Oh, now that you mention it, that, that might just be the thing. But, no, no, stay focused on the Ferengi. Let's bring this back around. Oh, I'm bringing it back around. Okay, let's go. So without transparency and accountability, we get kleptocracies, oligarchies, cronyism. Cronyism? Is that a word? Well, mostly, but it's an in-group who only looks out for themselves and doesn't regulate themselves properly. Oh. And it is the very definition of an unhealthy society and economy. Adam Smith insisted that pride and vanity, though they do help, needed moral sentiments to keep them in check. Yeah, yeah, sympathy, empathy. But how is he, like, incentivizing his moral sentiments? Oh, don't be ridiculous. He was the father of modern economics. That'd be like asking Isaac Newton to explain to you quantum mechanics. Don't be ridiculous. I don't know. This, uh, this sounds a lot like capitalism to me. That's what I'm saying. Capitalism is a misinterpretation and distortion of the teachings of Adam Smith. When his book was released, it went to schools like Oxford, Harvard, Yale... Only the richest and most elite had access to this information. That is hardly transparency, and the result has hardly been accountability. So wait, if capitalism is like some sort of like 2D caricature of Adam Smith's teachings? Yes. And the Ferengi are a 2D caricature of capitalism? Yes, exactly. Wow, that's like, that's like one-dimensional. Oh man, that's like trying to square root the number one. Wow, you might as well divide by zero. You might as well, but it gets far worse than that. Ooh, how much worse? Far, far worse. Okay, spill the beans. It all has to do with the Fermi Paradox. 
Fermi Paradox? Is it Enrico Fermi? Yes, Enrico Fermi, that's correct. Yeah, he was hanging out with his science friends, and he was like, where is everybody? And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, don't you ever wonder who everybody is? Because they were like looking for extraterrestrial life, and there was none to be found, and there still isn't. At least not in the dimensions they're looking in. Yes, that, exactly. Uh, I don't see how it connects. There are several hypothetical explanations for the paradox. Oh, yeah? Lay them on me. Well, the first is that perhaps there is little to no other life in the entire universe. Yeah, it happens. Or perhaps there's just little to no intelligent life in the universe. Oh, it certainly feels like it. It's suspected this could be caused by natural mass extinctions that happen periodically like comets and volcanoes and earthquakes and tidal waves and whatnot. They do happen. Or perhaps there are intelligent life out there. They're just not quite advanced enough. Humans have only been as advanced as they are these days for a very small sliver of time. Very small. So small that some theories say that it's just too small a window for anyone to overlap in their ability to put out radio waves and receive them. It's a pretty tough paradox, isn't it? Star Trek really just goes right in the face of all of this. There's just no story otherwise. Another hypothesis says that intelligent life just destroys itself before it ever gets off its own planet. Oh. And why do you think that is? Well, without transparency and accountability, we fall back on greed and pride and vanity. And we don't implement our sympathy and empathy to create the most successful society we can. Trust breaks down and society crumbles to nothing. And we never make it off planet to meet any other life forms. Huh. That's really depressing. Well, yes, though we do have the suggestion that perhaps sympathy and empathy are all we need. Do you really think it'd work? I think it's worth giving a try. But how do we incentivize it? Unfortunately, in Star Trek, they had to come up with replicators. When you can make free stuff forever, it really takes the edge off of reality. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you got a replicator, you got stuff all day. You even have free storage space, because you don't have to put anything away. You just unreplicate it and then make it when you need it again. Sounds like a really energy-costly lifestyle. Well, it's a pretty extreme best-case scenario, but I still think it's worth striving for. Well, at least Deep Space Nine was trying. They were, like, trying to be like, wait, how do we be more like the Federation in a world that's maybe not like the Federation? Yes, and I wish they'd tried a little harder to be like the Federation. At least the Federation I remember. As far as I'm concerned, I got lost in the Delta Quadrant, and I just haven't made it back yet. Yeah, there really was no closure to Voyager, was there? No, no epilogue whatsoever. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No, no, no. We're going to talk about the Bar Association and the Ferengi having some sort of Ferengi Commerce Authority. Oh, we're anti-unions. How did the Ferengi get off-planet if they were anti-unions? They would have needed transparency and accountability or they would have destroyed themselves. This is an absurd and preposterous idea. Well, how would you do it different? Well, it would be nice if the Ferengi, instead of having their rules of acquisitions, had their own Adam Smith, who they didn't warp the views of. Perhaps the Ferengi could be a cartoon caricature of a proper interpretation of Adam Smith's writings. I can barely even imagine what you're talking about. And that's how innovative it could have been. But instead it's ridiculous. We have this whole episode built around the Ferengi being the worst form of capitalism. You mean the form of capitalism the humans have in the early 21st century? Unfortunately, yes. And you thought capitalism didn't exist. I, oh, I don't want to podcast about Star Trek anymore. 
So anyways, the episode starts with Worf being like, oh man, another successful mission on the Battleship Defiant. A battleship in Star Trek. What was that? Nope, just go on. Like him and Dax suddenly run into a thief, and the thief's been robbing Worf's bedroom. And he stole a bunch of Worf's stuff, including his tooth sharpener. It's absolutely ridiculous, as if this thief couldn't replicate all of those things. There's replicators. Yeah, you know, that doesn't make any sense. You're right. No, it doesn't make any sense. It's a resentful bit of fan fiction, the whole thing. Oh, but wait. What? Remember last week we talked about multiple dimensions? Yes. Well, like, the whole entire Deep Space Nine happens in its own little dimension. Oh. Yeah, it's not in the same dimension because it's, it's a different person making the show. I guess, now that you say it that way, I guess I can just pretend it didn't necessarily happen in the same way. Yeah, there you go. The multiverse. Yay! So anyways, Worf decides he's going to go live on the battleship. I really still don't want to talk about it. I Just because it's a multiverse doesn't mean I really want to do this. I'm... Seriously, I don't think we need to do a Star Trek podcast anymore. You've convinced me. But there's like a whole B-plot while Rom is organizing the strike in the Union. And Worf's trying to make himself at home and Dax gives him like Klingon operas? No, I'm done. You've convinced me. It's all a mess. All of Star Trek. Oh, come on. I'm just getting irate thinking about Worf. Oh, are you now? And why is that? Well, it all starts in Next Generation. So it's not all Deep Space Nine's fault? In Next Generation, he's something of a punching bag. Yeah, it's totally a trope. To be warfed means you're like, I'm the strong guy, and if you beat me, everyone knows you're strong. And then then you never look strong because everybody beats you. No, it's far worse than that. Nearly every time they come across some alien, Worf suggests they all shoot at them, and everyone's like, no, Worf, we're not shooting at them. You think they should shoot at them? No, it just makes Worf look bad. He's something of a punching bag. Yeah, that is unfortunate. And the Deep Space Nine, just like they try to make the Ferengi look less like a stereotype, attempt to do the same for Worf, but it just flattens him out to, I'm a warrior and I want to live on a warship. Man, look at you go. You just love to complain about Star Trek. I do not. It's your favorite part of Star Trek. They tried to fix the Ferengi, they tried to fix Worf, and they made their own problems. And honestly, Roddenberry started this problem to begin with himself. Oh man, you're really getting fired up. The entire idea of a perfect future was corrupted from the beginning that he started including all of those corrupt admirals. And in my opinion, they were there just representing the producers he had so much trouble working with. Man, you really do love complaining about Star Trek. You're just, like, glowing. Stop it. I'm I'm done. I'd, I'd rather just watch it and complain. I'm done podcasting about it. We're not going to do this anymore. But, like, we're not going to go through the whole episode and review it? I don't see why. But I made a whole spreadsheet in a, in a random number generator. Can we just do my favorite part of the podcast? The wrapping it up? Yes, please. Can we just wrap it up? Okay, fine. Sure. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Bartleby Nehi. And I'm Artemis Nehi. I'm sorry this was such a devastatingly difficult podcast about a Star Trek. We won't do it again. Or we will, again, as a segment, sporadically and randomly in the future. I really don't want to. I'm just so tired of podcasting, Bartleby. And that's why we're going to take a rest. Are we? For about a week. I don't know why we're doing this. To let people know about our other podcast, The Kinetic Paranormal Society. It's a super awesome reenactment of our adventures with a live orchestra. Our embarrassing adventures. Our hilarious adventures. And we also want to tell everyone about Son of Al, the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent by Isaac Bluefoot. 
Isaac produces this show, and he produces that show, and he writes that show, and he sets it to music and does all the voices when he reads the book to you, and you're going to love it. Actually, I do love it. Let's, let's go listen to that after this. It's not a bad idea. Maybe we can play some Omen Quest cards. Oh, yes, Omen Quest cards. Tell about Omen Quest cards. Oh, well, they're these very beautiful cards. They have pictures on them, very beautiful illustrations of elements in nature, and they inspire stories, and there's no way to lose. It's a, it's a very cathartic experience. Yeah, we'll get those out after we listen to Son of El. See, it's not so bad. I guess not. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye. I love you. Do you think maybe I could read you some Adam Smith? You know what? Sure. Maybe for like a bedtime story. Oh, you hardly sleep.